Happy New Year, everybody. Nice to be in 2021. Um, no matter what, it's 2021 so, and not 2020. We're happy about that. So um, listen, if you were not here last weekend, uh, in order to do what I need to do this weekend, I don't want to spend a lot of time in review. So I would encourage you this way. It's a significant time uh, for our church and I wrote it this way. It is the most significant time since we planted our church in 1998. So if you didn't hear last week's message, please uh, do me a favor, do you a favor, listen to it. It's on our website, uh, our app. It's available uh, always. And um, not only can you listen to it, but pass it along. I think it's one of those messages that um, it's, it's a now word one that's uh, for today, for right now, for us, and it's got a huge impact with it. Because of that, what I uh, did last weekend when I shared, we're calling it Once in a Lifetime, uh, and also talking about legacy, and I described what the Once in a Lifetime opportunity is and what legacy is, and I, I spent some time teaching on that, and I got to the end of it, and just, um, if you're like, you're totally like, I have no idea what you're talking about, it's the opportunity um, uh, for our church, the season, the time, the moment to step beyond what we've created so far and into um, really the dream, the vision that the Lord has given us uh, for, for this day and this time. And I had asked uh, those in the church who, who already know that you're supposed to be a part of it. I, I realize that many of you need to pray. Maybe you're prepared this weekend to respond to what I asked, but I asked for... Um, for those who already knew you're supposed to be a part of it, that if you knew, um, let me know. Encourage me that way. And so I had several people that, um, that, that got in contact with me that uh, are a part of this. I, I think unofficial, right? Unofficial because uh, they hadn't turned in uh, pledge cards, but just verbally telling me, I think in the last week, uh, close to $350,000 uh, is, is given and pledged at this moment, which is, that is a significant amount of money. But honestly, it's, it's what we need to do is, is much bigger than that. And I'll talk about that a little bit. But one of the responses that I received was this letter and it ministered to me. So I, I just believed when I was reading it that it might encourage you to. So I'm actually going to begin uh, this weekend with uh, reading this. It just says, hi, John. Um, I shared this with my husband. Won't, uh, I asked permission, but I will keep them anonymous. I shared this with my husband last night, and he encouraged me to share it with you uh, as an encouragement and a testimony. As you already know, we gave to the Legacy Project yesterday. Uh, we've both been thinking and praying about it all week. The amount for us was a big deal, more than we've ever given to anything in our lives. Love that, man. Uh, although the actual giving of it wasn't hard, through the years, Mike and I have both realized, uh, listen to this, that what we give to the kingdom, we've never, ever woke up with regret about. Yeah. Love that right there, man. Never have a regret. Uh, uh, but often, with big steps of faith, comes second guessing. In this time we're all living in right now, it's hard to know what to believe, and the future seems very uncertain. Uh, we are in a position right now where we need to take care of a few things financially, yet we felt like the gift we gave to Jubilee came first. The rest of it, God will figure out. Uh, late last night, I was watching a Facebook live feed from Sean Foyt at Azusa Street in Los Angeles. You may have heard of him. He's a worship leader who has done various worship events across the country this summer and fall. He has taken a lot of heat for it politically, yet the fruit of it is undeniable. People have been saved, baptized. Others have recommitted their lives to Jesus. Last night, he had an event on Azusa Street in remembrance of the great revival uh, that started there in the early 1900s in faith that God is igniting another one in this nation. Uh, as I watched this comment, uh, as I watched this comment came over the live comments, put your loaves and fish in the baskets. 
Watch what Jesus will do with your offering when you give it to him. It struck me in my spirit as I went back and took a screenshot, which I've included below. I felt like our gift to Jubilee was significant to do on the last day of 2020 as a seed planted in 2020 for what the Lord has for Jubilee and us in 2021 and beyond. He's just getting started. 2020 was the shaking and the awakening. 2020 is the moving and the establishing. Then I saw the writing on the back of Sean's jacket uh, in the picture. The church has left the building. (laughs) It's been his motto for all of the worship events that he's done this year, but I believe it's also a word for Jubilee. We are leaving what we have known in the building that has defined us and yet has recently confined us. Mike and I remember, oh, shoot. Uh, No, they don't know. There's a lot of mics. Um, Mike and I remember when the building went up and what a blessing it was. But there's a new thing that God is doing. We don't know what it is yet. I believe it's not just a new home, but a new way of doing things. We have no idea what God has in store, but that's the best part. You preached about the loaves and the fish not too long ago. What I will always remember about that sermon was the leftovers. What Jesus may have done for the kid who gave the loaves and the fish. Could he have given to him the leftovers after everyone else had been fed? We gave Jesus our loaves and fish, and now we get ready for the leftovers. We anticipate an overflow because it's what God does. It's not just financial. Listen, it's spiritual. It's a blessing for us, for our children, and for our future. This is true for others who give what the Lord tells them to give. The amount is inconsequential. It's the obedience. Our gifts show him where our hearts are. He will take care of the rest. We have nothing to fear. Wishing you and Chris a happy new year. We look forward to the exciting ride of 2021. And then she signs it. Wow, what an encouragement to me. And I felt like it was a great, we can give them a hand. So I think we're doing it for ourselves. I felt like it was an encouragement and um, sort of the road to step into for this weekend's message. I'm gonna begin talking very briefly, really briefly, Uh, about the benefit of a teaching and training center. For those that have been in this church for any length of time, you've heard me over the years talk about my heart's desire, not just to have a church, but to have a teaching and training center. It really goes back to a dream, a twin dream that Chris and I were given over 30 years ago that has been a North Star for us in ministry. It's not our ministry. It's not our God. It's not the thing that we worship, but it's what God gave to us as a guiding point of view to always keep ourselves in a position of knowing at some day, at some point, at some time, God would bring this into the picture. And in fact, listen to this. One of the ways we knew we aren't done yet, that God's not not telling us it's time to wrap it up, is that this teaching and training center remains to be done yet. And until we get that done and get that established and it's, it's going in the way that it wants, you're stuck with us. That's just the way that it is, right? So let me just briefly, because it's not the nature of the message, but I know when I talk about a teaching and a training center, often I'll get the question, pastor, what is that? What would it look like? Is it a school? Is it a college? Is it, is it just, uh, uh, is it Jubilee, uh, a ministry school? What, what will it look like? The answer to that is yes right? It's many, many things. I don't want to just cubbyhole it and define it by by one thing. It's many things. But uh, this scripture in my mind encapsulates the idea that we want to, uh, that we want this thing to achieve. And even though I'm going to say it a little bit broad with the scripture, I'll bring it down quickly to to my thought. See, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, Paul writes these words. Now, these are the gifts Christ gives to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, to make sure that the body of Christ is maturing and becoming everything that God wants them to be. So these five gifts that God gives to the church are how God blesses the church. It's how God takes care of his church. Now, let me just say this real quickly. Of the five, remember, it's apostles, it's evangelists, right? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's the idea of uh, teachers and pastors and the prophetic. Most churches get along with two of the five. 
So that makes them about 40%. Accurate? Powerful? Effective? That's probably a better word. Effective. Most churches have preachers. They have teachers. But they certainly don't know what to do with the prophetic. The idea of evangelists scares everybody. So what we do is we anoint certain people. We call them evangelists. We let them tell other people. And then we can feel good that, yes, that's at least active in the church. And then the worst one, apostolic. How in the world does that fit in? And here's what we live with today. If you even mention apostolic in the church, the enemy has set it up so that the church itself eats itself by saying, who do they think they are to talk? Do they think they're apostolic? So just so you know, right off the bat, I don't believe that there are the 12 apostles today like there were then. They were special, they were anointed, and God chose those 12 and included the apostle Paul uh, at the absence, right, of Judas. But this is this thought real quickly. Uh, it says that he gave these gifts to the church. So at the death of the last apostle, does that mean the gift of apostolic ministry is done for the church? It cannot be, or the church is incomplete. It's not encouraged. It's not developed. It doesn't have what it needs to have. So this teaching and training center, in my mind, it's going to have all five gifts that we are training, encouraging, lifting up, and their job then is to go into the body, not just ours, but the body at large, and bring in this day and age the thing that God wants to have happen in his church. Everybody cheers for the idea of revival. How will that ever take place? It takes place when these gifts come alongside and help the church step into revival. Do you think it's a calendar event? Do you think it's just like if the pastor would ever preach the right message on revival, it would happen? What brings revival? I think that there's a connection between his giftings helping to encourage the body so that the body, I think God wants revival. I think the church is the one that's not stepping into and mostly because they don't know, they love the word and have no idea what it means. Do you understand what I mean by that? So let me just real quickly, five blessings of a teaching and training center, the apostolic. I don't think I'm an apostle, but I think I have apostolic gifts on my life, meaning this. I think apostles have unusual authority. When I came here to this area, it was important to Chris and I, we were asking the Lord, where do we plant this church? And I remember God finally one day just telling me, I'll meet you. Just choose. Make up your mind. And so I was doing the thing where I would leave Loveland and I would drive down to Denver. We knew it was Denver, but where in Denver? And I felt like if I don't pick the right city, the right place, I'm going to miss God. And so we were doing the old spy out the land thing. Here's, here's Joshua and Caleb in a Honda driving around <laughs> trying to figure out what we're going to spy out the land. And finally the Lord, it was in Genesis 2, 5. And it says this, the, the Lord God had not yet caused it to rain upon the earth because no man was there to till the field. And the Lord said to me, if you're looking for the rain to decide where to go, it will never work that way. You by faith decide where you're supposed to be and I'll meet you with the rain when you get there. I'll meet you with the rain. So I, I remember him telling me, I'm gonna give you unusual authority to do this quickly. You will not have to wait 30 years in order to build a church. And man, within five years, from start to a building in five years. That's remarkable, folks. Yes. That was remarkable. And God gave, I think, I think apostolic ministry has unusual authority to take ground, to push the enemy back, to establish churches, to start things uh, that, so how about like Abraham, to call things that aren't as though they are, so that when you say it, it actually happens. And I think that one of the giftings that is missing in the church today is this authority. In so many ways, the enemy is a usurper. He has taken the authority that belongs to the church. We cannot give this world up and over to some political philosophy, to some fear about the future. We must stand in the place of God and cry out, we are here, man. We will occupy. We will not turn it over. And until we're done, you can't have it. How about that? So that's the apostolic, the prophetic. Uh, so many people are afraid of the prophetic. And you know why? They don't know why. They've heard. It's scary. They, they know things about you. 
and they'll reveal them at the most inappropriate moment. That's not prophecy. That's, that's, the Bible says to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Why prophecy? Prophecy is that rare thing that when God speaks through prophecy, not only is it predictive about what's coming so that you know where to put your faith and not be afraid as you face the winds of, of, uh, of, of, of other lies from the enemy. But prophecy lets you know when it's God's voice, when God is speaking to you, to his church, it lets you know that God knows where you are in space and time, that you're not just out here hoping on a wing and a prayer that it's all true. Prophecy lets you know, boom, God knows exactly what's going on in my heart. He knows exactly what's going on with my life. And when the Lord speaks to you, here's what I'm going to do. I mean, the faith that you can have in prophecy, Prophecy is one of the things we fight the devil with. Do you know that Paul told Timothy, I want you to take the words that were spoken over you prophetically, and I want you to say them out loud to the devil to knock him off of his high horse. I'm putting my own words with it. But that's exactly what he told him in 2 Timothy. Use the words spoken over your life prophetically to do spiritual warfare. So in the Old Testament, they had the school of the prophets. Here's what we think about prophecy, that if God wants to use you as a prophet, you go into a trance. I can't control myself. Listen to me. Bye, bye, bye. That's not prophecy. That's weirdness. God knows we don't need more weirdness. Prophecy, listen, is when the Holy Spirit has your heart so that you can speak for God's heart. That's prophecy. History is what we read after the fact. Prophecy is when we say it ahead of time. Here's what God wants to do. Here's what God is establishing. Here's what God wants to do in your marriage. Here's what God wants to do with your health. Here's where God wants to move in your life. That's prophecy. It's not weird. It's powerful. It's life-changing. The evangelist idea Again, we've given a title to a person who for maybe a week will go to a church, hang out a sign that says, this week we're having revival. It begins on the 7th and it ends on the 14th. We don't care what God's doing. And so, uh, off, I'm still me no matter what I, yeah. So the, the idea that we give a title, that's an evangelist because they come in and they stir everything up. In a sense, that can be what an evangelist does. But I, I would put... Um, how about missions under the title of the idea of evangelism? But instead of thinking of missions over there, missions here. Evangelism is when we are so excited about what God is doing amongst us that we can't help but tell people when the opportunity is there to share, right? That's, that's what it is. When Paul says, be willing to give a hope that, that's inside of your heart, be willing to speak to the hope that's in you. How many of you are hopeful? And if you're not hopeful, your source of hope is messed up. You're getting it from the news. You're getting it from current events. You're getting it from a human. Hope is based on the God of hope. And when we are hopeful, then, then it makes us different by definition. The rest of the world is not hopeful. We are hopeful, not just excited about something, but hopeful. And then Paul says, be willing to just open your mouth to bear witness of the hope that's inside of you. That's what evangelism is. Now, of course, it's, it's far more reaching than that. But if, what if we could encourage? What if God did such a, an exciting thing? That, and, that, what, what if people today could find hope when they walk in a building? Like you found hope. And if it worked for you, why wouldn't it work for someone else. And then the pastor one is just obvious. A gift that God gave me that I believe is inside of our church is that I, pastors are just attracted here. I'm through the eight, so I'll just show you real quickly how many of you are a pastor or have, were a pastor or have hope of being one at some Raise your hand real quick. Just, just look around real quick. Just look. I mean, two dozen? Just, it's just something that always has been. I don't know if we could laser focus it and point it. What could we've planted churches? I think my idea now is plant people. 
instead of planting a building, what if we planted people that helped in what's, yeah, I'll save it for later. And the last one is teachers would love, love, love to use if this building that I'm hoping for, that I'm believing God for is ours. One of the things that's attractive to me, it has a 315 seat theater in it, state of the art. I would do conferences. I would invite some of the greatest teachers in the world. And then I would hold them over to help minister to you. So not only conferences for our community, but if the Bible says that these gifts are given to strengthen the church, I would use all of these gifts then to also, look, take care of the household first, right? That's what I would do with it. So it is a, uh, it is a, a quick dash at it, an idea of it. Uh, to build up the body would be my idea to mature our church, to bless our church, but also our community. And it's just a quick shot at it. Here's where I want to go today. And I, um, <laughs> uh, so like, <laughs> how do I want to say this? Okay. This is a word that could be misunderstood. And that worries me because I never get up here ever. Uh, you, you know, I know that my way of joking can be a little bit like it's sharp sometimes, right? Like the crack about what an evangelist is. Hang a sign up and it begins and it's over no matter what God's doing. It's, I just use a little sarcastic humor at times. But the truth of the matter is um, I, have, I have an incredibly tender heart and it leaves me very vulnerable at times. And because of the tenderness of it, then I never ever want you to feel beat up. I never want you to feel manipulated. I never want you to feel like, man, he's, he's self-serving. I never want that to be said. And yet there are times when God will give me a message that I have to be willing to put myself out there. And so when I got this from the Lord, I'm like, God, they're going to think it's self-serving. So I said, you know, there's other scriptures in the Bible. Let's find one. And it, it was as though every other scripture dried up and blew away. And the only one left was this one. And so I argued for about 48 hours. I'm supposed to turn my notes in on Wednesday. I didn't turn them in until yesterday, hoping that the Lord would forget. <laughs> He's got a lot on his plate. <laughs> it didn't happen. So it is what it is. But I guess all I'm trying to say is, um, if you don't know me, then perhaps, you know, it could be misunderstood if you know me. We'll trust that you will know the heart that it's coming from. Um, so those that are watching online or that may be listening at a future date or those that are watching live, please take into the account um, that I'm not just coming in on a weekend and then taking off. I will be here to work through what I'm about to do. Uh, it's from an obscure book in the Old Testament, Haggai, who was a minor prophet who lived almost 3,000 years ago. And uh, Haggai wrote these prophetic words that um, <laughs> prophecy has the ability to mean something at that moment and it can also mean something for thousands of years later. It's, it's a powerful thing. So this is Haggai uh, chapter one and it's four verses, four through eight. I think they'll pull it up behind me. And this is what the prophet said to the people of God, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Pay attention to this. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you're never really satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you just can't quite keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets that had holes in them. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, rebuild my house, and then I will take pleasure in it. And I will be honored, says the Lord. And then he begins to talk about the blessing that he gives God's people for obedience it's one of those scriptures that if I were to teach it in any other context, I wouldn't have 
any problem bringing this message to you whatsoever because I would let God's word speak for itself and allow you to decide what you believe. But in this particular case, when I'm talking about moving us into this next thing and it has to do with the house of God, then it looks so self-serving to say, you're in this incredible thing and you're leaving this thing undone. So consider that you sow much and you reap little. And that you're eating and you're not satisfied and you're drinking, but you're still thirsty and you're putting on all of these clothes and yet you're still cold. And I don't think, so get this real quickly. I don't think this is judgment. And that's what gives me the boldness to stand up here right now and not shrink back. I don't think this is God's judgment. I think it's opportunity for God's people. Because I don't think he's saying you have blown it and I'm done with you and what's in effect now is going to be in effect a thousand years. I think God is saying, take a look real quick at what's going on. Look at your family. Look at your health. Look at your peace. Look at your future. If it's not happening the way that you want it to happen and you're doing everything to take care of your own future, consider what's in my heart first and I'll take care of what's in your heart later. Now, that's not something that I would feel comfortable saying to you unless I'm living it out myself. Because I know when I started this project, you remember, man, I, in my mind, I, I wanted to lead it. I was going to take my Harley. It's not, look, not everybody's into Harleys. I get it. But the point is, it's not an equal offering. It's equal sacrifice. And for me to give something that's important to me, demonstrates that I will not put that thing in front of God. So I thought, okay, when I start this, I'll stand up and I'll lead with the Harley. I'll put it up for an auction or I'll sell it. I'll give the money first because I never want to be, look, there's too many teachers and preachers who say one thing and do another and God spare us from leadership that says stay home and then goes to restaurants. or flies to Mississippi or whatever it is that they do. God spare us from that. And all of them are human and we all make mistakes. And so it's not, it's not even that, but just spare us from do as I say and not as I do. If you're gonna ask people to make a sacrifice, do it yourself. So I thought, okay, I'll do this. I had it all planned out. And then the Merleys, hey, we need to do missions week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we do missions week. <laughs> And John and Rebecca are doing such a good job as our missions pastor. And then they read all the trouble that our, you know, here we are. And I, yes, it's been a difficult time. Yes, we've had some people face some really difficult things. But I can say in all honesty, God has blessed our church during incredibly difficult times. He's blessed us. And, that, and then, so I'm reading and listening when they're talking about what our missionaries are going through and the ones in Africa were the one, they slayed my heart. Those poor people in South Africa who cannot take care of their own children and they're abandoning babies on a garbage dump. I could not sit here and hear and hear it and ignore it. It killed me. And look, this is where the tender heart does... I can't sit there and act like it's okay. So I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? What, how how much? Just tell me the amount. Please tell my wife at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Then he's talking about Larry Good in Peru and those orphans. And Larry, (laughs) all that's happened, as things got worse there, he had more people to take care of. And so by faith, he's taken everything out of the bank and they're feeding. John, what was the number that he was feeding? Do you remember? 10,000 a week. week. He's feeding 10,000 people and it had doubled from what it was with less money. So I know the Lord's just like, I can't listen to that and be okay. So again, I'm like, God, I'll, I'll write a check. I'll do it tonight. I'll take care of this. And, and when I'm, so I come up and I'm going to just get out of it and I'm broken of it. And I know the Lord tells me this was the, you take care of what's in my heart. 
and I will take care of what's in your heart. And I knew the context. He didn't have to explain it to me. I knew exactly what he meant. So I said, if you were here, how many of you have been with me? If you were here, I just said, listen, I was gonna do this for a project that's coming up. I didn't even tell what it was, but I'm gonna do it right now. And maybe I'll put it up for auction or whatever. You know the story before I even got settled, changed my clothes and sat down, a person who loves me and gets, when I say things like this, you know what this family has done? They've said to me, when you do things like that, we want to help you. God, for a pastor, what a benefit that is when a family says that, when they get it, when they get it, not for me to put in the bank, but to do something for the kingdom. So, okay, so he, he, will $25,000 buy it? I'll take 50, <laughs> but 25 will work because that's the number I had in my head. And the 25, I, they're already, it's already spent. I don't think we have, you don't have any of it left, do you? Almost, almost none of it left, right? So Jonathan will tell the truth, even though it would have been a great point for him to say it's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> even though it would have been very powerful in that moment would have illustrated my point so powerfully honest Abe over here <laughs> okay almost all of it's been spent very small amount is left <laughs> I know this, <laughs> where the bike sat in my garage, it's not there anymore. It's not, m my wife claps, yay. <laughs> Just for that, the Lord's given me another one. Okay, um, so the point simply was that I knew in the, with the Lord, just you take care of what's in my heart and I'll take care of what's in your heart. And it was messing up my plan. I wanted this to be so, you know, like cool. And I, I can lead this and everybody will get it and it'll be really powerful. I don't have anything, I don't have an asset that's worth more than that that I own. So it was like, okay, that was the one. Now we've got some savings and that's what we're doing in this project, which I did try to say, hey, I've already given, like, it doesn't that count? Or it's like, uh, no, you lead this thing. And by the way, I've asked our senior team to be a part of that and our senior team... I wished I could tell you what the senior team's doing so that you knew. And I haven't gone to the rest of the pastors. I'm doing that this Tuesday. Get ready, rest of the pastors. <laughs> and I haven't had a chance to go to them yet and ask them, and I'll ask them this Tuesday to, to lead this with me. But I know the Lord told me, take care of what's in my heart, and I'll take care of what's in yours. And the only reason I'm even spending any time talking about this again is that if I'm gonna stand up and teach this without being a hypocrite. I want to show you. I'm not trying to say, hey, I'm a good guy. Pat me on the back. I'm trying to say to you, I despise leadership that asks people to do something and then it won't do it. And if you're not going to sacrifice and you're not going to live that way, don't ask other people to do that too. So it gives a certain authority, a moral high ground to be able to say it without being a liar. Is that fair? That's the idea. If you're going to say it, do it. Don't be a phony. God knows we don't need more in the church. So I read this and I know the Lord begins to speak to me. It's not judgment. It's opportunity. When he says, consider, consider, consider. What he's saying is think about how it's going for you. So here he's, he's asking you to do what I did. Think about it. He knows what's in your heart. He knows how close you are to retirement. He knows what you're trying to do in the situation. Yeah, I look, I, I look out and I, people look their head. Don't turn your gaze from me right now. Yeah. We're all in this together. And if you're like, hey, no, you're in this, then I'm in a wrong church, man. So I can't do this. We've got to do it together and I have to be bold with you. Not cruel, not harsh, not mean. So I've got, we've got to do this together. And if this is your church, do this with me. And if you're like, well, that brings me to a good point. I'm not sure if it's my church. Now's the time. 
Now's the time. Now's the time. It's not judgment, it's opportunity. As a matter of fact, when God says, consider your ways, you're doing all of these things, but it's not turning out the way that you want to. That's what I want you to ask yourself right now. Consider your ways. Is it going the way you want it to go? Despite your best effort, is it going? Are you left unsatisfied? Do you have this desire for the things of God and to be like, I wish I had that kind of passion that Pastor John has, then do the things that Pastor John does. It's not judgment because it's not a pronunciation of how things are going to be from here on out. It's consider, consider your ways so that things can change. All he's doing is pointing out fact. Here's the second thing about the scripture that's really powerful. When he says, examine your ways, he's asking you, look at your harvest, decide how your harvest is going. If you think that that's Old Testament, John, you're teaching Old Testament understanding of money and of giving. In 2 Corinthians, New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves. Find out how your faith is doing. And if it's not going the way that it should go, make a change right now. Change it right now. And then the third thing about the scripture that I love is he's actually predicting, calling, and prophesying a time of reaping. This is what the Lord told me about this project. So with great boldness, I'm just gonna say it, man. Here's the reaping, these three things. The Lord told me this will break fear. Fear has taken over our nation. Fear has taken over our government. Fear has taken over our newscasts and our newspaper. Fear has taken over conversations. Fear has taken over what's going to happen. Where are we going? How bad is it going to be? And the devil loves fear. He's the author of fear. He's the breath of fear. So we live today so full of fear, hedging, holding like this. I'm afraid, I'm afraid. What's going to happen? So when you do the opposite of fear, you break the power of fear in your life. And I know people that I've got in this church who are a part of this right now. One of my pastors who is dealing with such fear right now, and the Lord told her, give this to break fear. And I watched this person, pow! Something has happened to them where instead of being full of fear and worry, all of a sudden they're walking around with boldness. And you go, Pastor, self, at the risk of being misunderstood with this message. I know, I know what giving has broken in my life. And one of the things that I had was a fearful spirit. No matter how good things were, I always lived with this sort of Damocles getting ready to draw. I, I don't know what angst, anxiety I would live with. No matter how, how good things were, I always had this thought, yeah, but, but. So I could never fully enjoy what, anybody know what I'm talking about right now? I could never fully enjoy. It was like this, uh, this foreboding uh, joy. I would have joy, but with this foreboding that it was all going to get taken away or something was going to happen to come in. Maybe it was the loss of my father when I was a kid. Things that are out of control. So I, this foreboding, I would have joy, but always tempered by, be careful, don't even say it out loud too much or it'll all get taken away from you. Anybody know what I'm saying right now? I'm actually prophesying something to you. And the Lord broke this foreboding thing over me by causing me to be a person who goes, I'm not gonna sit here and try to hold on to it to take care of myself. I will go like this and let God take care of me. Now, of course, look, you, you, can, you can get into presumption, but I would dare say most of the church is not struggling with presumption when it comes to giving. You didn't understand a word that I just said, but man, was it good. It was so good. Woo, was it good. Here's the second one. The time of reaping, family. So when it says consider your ways, let me ask it this way. <laughs> you sow much into your family and you're reaping so little. You're praying day in and day out, God, save them. God, get their attention. 
God, don't forget about them. God, when I stand in front of you, don't let that circle be unbroken, please, God. What would you give on that day to make sure that that circle is unbroken? Be mad at me now? Maybe you'll rejoice with me later. I felt like the Lord said, be bold when you say this. I'm asking people to consider, how's it going with your family? And what would you do? Break the hold that the enemy has. God knows what's in your heart. Take care of what's in his heart. I won't. You know what? I will not be afraid. I will not. When we give, we always think one equals one. I give a dollar and God will give me back one or even more. And the truth of the matter is, seldom, seldom have I found that when I give, he gives me back money. So let me tell you, he has given me ever-increasing peace. How much would you pay for peace? When you don't have it, what would you pay to get it? Money can't buy it. He's given me children, all five of mine. Love God. <laughs> Incredibly. Uh, so you would go, it's like, so yeah, but you, you were good parents. Ha. Huh. She was a good parent. I'm having a little bit of fun there. We, we, we love our children like every other parent in this room loves their children. And some in this room are far better parents than we are. And yet you find your children in places where the enemy has found a toehold. Yes or no? And so you were just like, you know, so when I give, you know, I I want it to come back to me. (laughs) What would you pay for a child to be in love with Jesus? Man. Okay. The last one is just future. I have a son at home who's limited, you know, um, not by his own doing. He's born with certain limitations, right? And so, you know, he's 35 and the rest of the world is passed him by. Everything else grew up around him. And so we found ourselves in this rut. He's listening right now. So I choose my words carefully as I say this. And I felt like the Lord told me, you need to begin. Tell him every day, Jeremiah 29, 11, that I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil to bring you a future and to bring you a hope. And so I just, every day, I'm telling him about the future and I'm telling him about hope right now. And I'm trying to help him find a job. And so he's, he's like, Dad, you think, <laughs> you think there could be a girl out there who could love me? Ah, yes. With God, all things are possible, my son. With God, all things are possible, son. So we're working on things to make that possible right now. How we live our lives and needing to work. And that there's a difference between a job and work. Jobs are what the devil invented. But work is what God gives us to give us dignity. And son, God has dignity for you. Dignity. Is this our conversation? And he's so hopeful right now. Just like... He'll come in my room <laughs> over and over. God has dignity for me, huh? Yep, he does. Do you think it's possible that I could get a girlfriend? Yes, I do. And you're so lucky that God gave me you and you me because I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. 
why are you telling us this heart jerking story? Because I'm asking the Lord. He knows what's in my heart. And more important than even a building is that my son would find this place in life. That he would have this. God knows what's in my heart. And I can't make that thing happen. But I can go after the thing that's in his heart and he can do what nobody else can. Do you hear what I'm saying right now? You know, Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? I just, does this, is there faith out there to hear this? Because it's so easy to be cynical today and go, yeah, where's your faith? Amos 9.13, listen to this scripture. The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and the grapes will grow faster then they can be harvested out of the ground. Would you love to live at a time in your life when it's growing so fruitful and growing so fast that you can't even get it out of the ground quick enough? Would you love to at least attempt that? And that's what I think God is saying to us in this pace and time. All right. Um, This coming week, I need a favor. I'm gonna ask you to consider this. Um, Joel 1.14 says, Consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. I'm going to ask for a three-day fast uh, starting this Tuesday and going to the 5th. So that is um, on the, I'm sorry, starting the 5th and going to the 7th. So the 5th, the 6th, and the 7th. We're going to start on the 5th because my birthday's the 4th and I don't want to fast on my, on my birthday. It's a very righteous reason. So the 5th, the 6th, and the 7th. So that's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And um, the staff will be praying together on Tuesday. That's how I'm going to kick off our all-staff um, pastoral development on this this coming Tuesday to fast and pray for our church and pray for God's plans on Wednesday. Um, want to ask you if you would care to join us in this and you don't have to just fast food, although I think that's an excellent one. You can fast media. And I would suggest if you don't fast media, you should consider that and break the hold of media in your life. Seven of us are excited about that. The rest are like, oh, please don't. I'll give anything, but don't take my phone. Uh, so um, you, could, you could fast television. You, I, I, just, just so many different things that you could join us in. If you can't do it the whole time, maybe you'd want to do it for part of the day. But on um, Wednesday, the 6th at 6 o'clock, I want to gather here, and we just want to pray. We want to fast, and we want to pray this week. Um, I, I do believe... You know, as we're marching and we're trying to work on the physical aspect of making this thing happen. And if you, if you didn't hear last week, you need to listen to all the things that have happened with our buildings and the building that we found. All those things, they're, they're in that message. But I just feel like there's this little, um, we just need to come together and fast. And we need to pray. And if you're like, well, Pastor, I just, I'm not in a position to fast this week. Would you pray with us? And if you can't be here, it will, we'll Zoom it. So you could be a part of it that way. But I just would call for a 72-hour fast, just that we fast and we pray and we lay this before the Lord. Right now, it's such a critical, sensitive time as we're negotiating. And I'm asking you, would you do this with me? Will you pray with me? And if you can be here, will you come and let's, let's put this before the Lord and let's pray. On your way out, if you didn't get the legacy information. They'll have it at the exits for you so that you can pick it up one more time. Inside of it is a commitment card, and this is critical. I need you to be a part of this. If you've already prayed about it and you're ready to turn them in, please. They'll go through next weekend and then the following weekend. Two weekends from right now, we'll collect these. Two things on here that I need are upfront gifts It's absolutely necessary. We will have cash from the sale of our properties and from some that we have in the bank. 
but we need, let's, we need about $5 million. It's significant. Significant. Yeah, ex- I know, it goes dead silent. Okay. Is our God able? His arm is not too short to save, whether by a million or 10 million. It's a chance for him to get a lot of glory. So I know when you hear that, if you're skeptical and you scoff at it, scoff at home. Seriously, we've got to stand up and just got to move forward on this. If you are in a position to do something about it right up front, would you fill this out? Here's why this card is important versus a verbal. Um, If you make a commitment, we can use these with our financial institution. They count when someone makes a commitment. They will count it. They will not count a verbal. Do you you understand? A verbal is just me saying somebody said it, but this is like a promise. So upfront gifts are absolutely important. And if you're like, um, hey, I can't do that, but over the next year, and we're just condensing it to a year, I could do this, then there's a place on that. And both are important, so much so that if you could do both, that's even better. But we need both, and up front is just really important right now. And your prayers are huge right now. But I believe if we come together and we fast and we pray, just telling the Lord that it's going to be you or it's not going to be anything else. And I know you might think, man, pastor, that is just, that's crazy. I wish you could have taken this 23-year ride with me so that at each junction when I stood up here, it was crazy. Every time it's been crazy. Every time I needed a miracle. For whatever reason, God's never put me in a position where I've been able to write a check because I had it all in the bank. Maybe because he wants my dependency on him. It makes me super vulnerable when I have to stand up here and do these things. And yet, I will stand up here and say I'd rather have my hope in him than in First Bank. It's just the way that it is. I will take my chances with God and not with the bank. So, um, yeah, there you have it. Um, That's it. And um, am I leaving something out? I feel like I'm leaving something out. Go online. Oh yeah, pledge cards are online. Um, If you are watching this and you're like, hey, how do I get it? It's it's online. And I I would encourage you, this, this has a lot of the information. If you let us know that you'd like this, we'll mail this to you. I've had several people. It's online too, it's online. It's 525. Can I tell one more story? Wait, I mean, if you say no, I'm going to do it anyway, but I, it would make me feel better. One, one more story. So just into this crazy story this week, right? Um, a family that loves us and knows us uh, called us and said, hey, we've got some friends that, um, that uh, wanted to become members of the church, and um, you guys turned them down. And I'm like, what? I mean, thank God that they called these. And so I said, can I? call them and tell them that that's, you know, so I call and long story short, we hadn't turned them down. It was another situation, but the guy goes, Hey, I was watching last week and I saw that you're trying to raise money for this building. What can we do? I said, well, two guesses. And the first one doesn't count. So, uh, so I'm, I'm being a little bit, but he, he, so I, I made a call thinking that I had somebody that was mad and that was, you know, had been offended. And it turns out that the guy ended up giving us tens of thousands of dollars in order to be a part of, of this. Just that type of thing. So I know it's so easy to think, how would we ever get there? Only God can do this. Only God can do this. It's not equal gifts. It's equal sacrifice. Please just, just pray about it, whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do.